welcome to another episode of Back and Forth. Uh, hopefully you are very comfortable and very happy where you're listening to us today, um, just because it's, it's better to be that than anything else. Uh, my name is John Vandergriff. I am one of the owners of Blue Ridge Wealth Planners, uh, one of the wealth planners as well. I am joined, uh, as always now, by Zach Hill of Blue Ridge Wealth Planners slash, you know, Kingsport, Tennessee slash Remedy Coffee slash, I don't know, what, yeah. any more slashes? Yeah. No. Slash <laughs> close to downtown Knoxville. Yeah, you know, <laughs> off-Broadway uh, yeah. neighborhoods. <laughs> so, cool. So today what we're going to do is take a uh, topic that people, you know, have differing opinions on and talk, you know, for pros and cons and, and positives of both sides, maybe where it fits, uh, so that we can hopefully provide some information to you uh, from a educated position uh, with, you know, Zach's degrees uh, that he has from University of Tennessee with my on-the-job knowledge of doing this for nine years now, uh, and just kind of talking about where this fits in and, and how it works. So, so again, what we're going to discuss today is uh, the topic of do we need to invest toward dividends or do we need to invest toward growth? And so, again, there are proponents of both. So like we always do, Zach's going to take one side, I'll take the other, and then we'll just have a, a good, healthy discussion here. So, you know, anything to add right. before you take it away, Zach? No, I think that's great. Let's dive right in. All right. So <laughs> Zach's going to take growth. So go ahead and tell us why we would want to grow our money. Is that a good thing? <laughs> so. No, nobody wants to grow their money here. We're, no. We love losing yeah. money. No. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, not true at all. But grow, when we talk about this, growth is actually a, one of the two classifications that we normally classify a single stock as. It, the, the two big ones are a, a company can either be a growth company or a value company or, like you said, dividends. Uh, and so those mean di very different things. So when we think about a growth company, they're, right now, um, just coincidentally, the growth companies are all online big tech companies. They or not all, but most of them are. And then they are kind of in your face. Like everybody knows what Amazon is now. Everybody knows Facebook. Everybody seems to know Netflix. And so those are the growth companies that we're talking about. And so um, it's they're really growth is really easy to think through and what it is because we've seen Amazon go from, a com from not existing in 1992 where it is now, where it's one of the biggest companies in the world. Um, and so what they've done is been able to grow from nothing into one of uh, the most valuable companies, almost a trillion dollars in market cap. I mean, massive company here. And Jeff Bezos is now worth $150 billion. Yeah. That is an extreme amount of growth. Whereas a company, a value company or a dividend paying company, if you think about ExxonMobil or Coca-Cola or McDonald's, been around for over 50 years you're really not going to see much high growth from them, not anywhere close to what Amazon has experienced. But they still are a valuable company in a portfolio. They just achieve their growth and their uh, investment returns via dividends. And, and talk about fundamentally, like what makes, what's the big separation between a, a growth company and like why they don't pay dividends versus yeah. a dividend company and, and why they choose to go that direction. Yeah. So so growth companies don't pay dividends for a couple of reasons. The first one is most of them, especially in the early stages, are not profitable. Mm. They shouldn't be profitable. They should be spending every, every dollar they have on growth. They should be investing in new product lines and new businesses, reinvesting in the company and their employees, uh, expanding into different geographic markets. There's all kinds of things they want to use that money for. Um, but returning it to shareholders is not a top, top priority for them. 
And so they're really focused on achieving maximum growth possible. Like I said, a lot of them, Amazon famously wasn't profitable and still isn't profitable in some quarters because they're investing so heavily in research and development and new products and things. Right. And so uh, just a simple version of that is Amazon can do that. McDonald's doesn't need to invest that much money into – they don't really have many geographies left to explore. They don't – I don't know how many improvements you can make on a Big Mac. It's just pretty wow. simple there. But with Amazon, they're, you, they, they have so much additional use for that cash. They need all the cash they can get to expand. Right. So instead of so, sharing it out right. with shareholders, they turn it back into the company to try to provide maximum growth right. potential on Ex- the money. Exactly. They want to they want to grow as fast as possible, as much as possible. They want to, and the way that investors receive that return, in contrast to McDonald's, which would pay a dividend, Amazon's share price could increase dramatically. And so that's why they typically get called growth companies because the actual uh, market cap or profitability can grow at a much higher rate than that of a value or dividend paying company. Right. Just because most of the time they are disruptors in an industry. They have a brand new product line, you know, like social media is completely new in the last 10 or 15 years. Yeah. And so all those companies could be seen and are seen as high growth companies because we just don't know what the end result is for them. We don't know how far they can go, what new business lines we will see from them. Yeah. And you know, like a lot of people not to Go down a different tangent, but like social media is one of those things where, you know, sometimes people say, how are they this profitable whenever they don't have like things that they produce, but really the consumption that they have is you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like you listening exactly. to this podcast right now are making whatever company you choose to go through in that medium more valuable because they have you as a backer that goes into um, the valuation or, or the audience that they have, which is relatable to, like I, I saw an article the other day where like Facebook sends more traffic to businesses than Google does now, yeah. you know, which is crazy. Um, so, yeah. you know, and, and before we get into kind of where you should be investing and what you should do, talk about kind of over the most recent past, what we've yeah. seen between like the argument between growth and, and value companies or dividend yeah. based. So in the last, it's really been 20, 30 years, uh, growth companies have drastically outperformed value companies on a total return basis. Growth companies have been the name of the game. I mean, and that includes the dot-com bubble where we saw the NASDAQ and tech companies lose over 80% of their value in that time. Um, but growth companies have have just experienced such high rates of return that they've outpaced value uh, by quite a bit. And I've got the return numbers here just to kind of give you a somewhat of a numerical backing for what we're saying is that over a 10-year basis on an, on an annualized basis that growth companies have returned 15.5% per year versus value companies returning 10.4% per year yeah. over over a 10, and that's every year for 10 years. And so that's quite a bit higher. I mean, that's 50% higher if you're going to compare the percentages. Yeah. Um, and so they have achieved higher rates of return. Like we've said, over that 10-year period, we've gone from Facebook being almost, I mean, non, I mean, they were they were brand new in 2010 yeah. to where they are now and things like that. Uh, so those those companies have just grown so much that they've outpaced that value. Now, value 10 percent that's a really healthy return. That's above the long term average. That's really yeah. good. But uh, that 15 has just been so high. And um, and just to also throw this in there, that doesn't come without risk. There's substantial risk in that. Um, Amazon, for example, if you want to, if I want to, they're one of the most well-known, so they're easy to use as an example. 
um, they have they had a time period over the last 20 years where they lost 90% of their value. Yep. It's you have to when you invest in growth companies, they're like I said, in the dot com bubble, the NASDAQ and tech companies, which were mostly growth, lost 80 over 80% of their value. And that's an index. That's that that's some substantial risk. But recently, you've been more than paid for that risk. And you've ta- as you've taken that and you've achieved such higher returns. Yeah, and I think, you know, as we look at it, and we'll, we'll kind of transition into that in our next segment of, like, why choose one over the other, you know, but I, you have seen some people say it's not even a discussion over the most recent past, you know, these companies, you know, and, and the S&P 500 gives a pretty good balance of, you know, value and growth, mm-hmm. but, but really what's propped up the growth of the S&P 500 has been the growth side of right. the, the portfolio they have. Um, you know, on the short-term basis. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's it's trying to unpack this. And maybe, you know, as we look at markets, you know, Warren Buffett is a proponent that says buy low, sell high. So, you know, we've seen a tremendous amount of growth and not that we're predicting that growth companies are going to, you know, have a rapid reduction. But it's just one where as we approach highs, you know, in, mm-hmm. in anything, it presents us with an option. This a path I want to continue down or does it make sense to maybe change the way mm-hmm. that I'm thinking about it? Um, and maybe approach things from a different perspective. So, you know, that's what we're doing here. It's the the good thing about, you know, financial uh, conversations like this is there's really not uh, a, a standpoint of this of if you don't invest this way, you're dumb. You know, and if, yeah. if you do this, then, you know, so in this debate here, it really depends on kind of the outcomes, which we'll get into uh, more in our next uh, time. You know, but but as we look at that, I think it's important for us to, uh, understand the fundamentals of what makes these different, but also what we'll get into uh, in just a minute here is obviously the the pros and cons of each and the opportunity of these could be an ideal fit for someone. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, stay tuned. We'll have a commercial break here, come back, and we'll talk about kind of what situations does it make sense to be more of a value investor versus a growth investor uh, in just a second. In 1916, President Wilson passed a stimulus package that paid for the American efforts to end World War I. In 1933, President Roosevelt's New Deal ended the Great Depression. This is about to pass legislation, but will greatly ease the mortgage distress among the farmers and the homeowners of the nation. In 2020, President Trump's $2 trillion stimulus package is helping end the COVID-19 pandemic. The single biggest economic relief package in American history. Do you know what all these acts have in common? Taxes went up. Yes, they solved crises, but Americans paid for them with increased income taxes soon after. Move your money out of taxable accounts now before it's too late. At Blue Ridge Wealth Planners, we create comprehensive plans that include strategic movements between taxable and non-taxable accounts. To schedule your free virtual consultation or phone call with a wealth planner, visit us at planforeverything.com. That's planforeverything.com. Let us plan for everything so you don't have to. Welcome back to Back and Forth with Blue Ridge Wealth. My name is John Vandergriff. Uh, you probably remember that because it's not been that long since I said it. So, uh, but if you're new to the time, uh, you know, we're talking about, uh, growth versus value investing today. And, you know, Zach helped us with a lot of the fundamentals, uh, earlier talking about what are the major differences between the two. And now we want to focus a little bit on kind of what are the opportunities who would benefit most, uh, from either strategy here and, and how can they be maybe complementary to one another in somebody's uh, position. So, again, any of those that you want to start with, Zach, with growth, what what kind of – where does it make sense, I would say? Yeah. Um, like I said, growth makes sense 
if you're a long-term investor because of everything I just said. They mm-hmm. There's a potential for growth to lose substantially more than the S&P's maximum drawdown. The S&P drawdown in 2008 was, uh, you know, you can say roughly 50%, but in the dot-com bubble, tech stocks and growth stocks lost about 80%. You have to be able to take risk. And what does that mean? That means you have to be able to stay in it for a very long time. Right. And so if you are a on higher risk tolerance and you have a long time horizon growth, having a little bit of an overweight position to growth could make sense for you because you do have the opportunity where if Amazon falls 80% and drags the rest of the index down, you have a lot longer to make that up. Yeah. And so those, those types of things you have to be prepared for as you go into it and have a longer time horizon. So it really makes sense for somebody like me who is, you know, about who turns 30 this year. I've got a long time till retirement. I don't really have to worry if this goes down 80% this year because I've got the next 30 years to make that up. Yeah. Um, but that's not, you know, that's not the case for everybody. So uh, shifting to the value side, I, I don't really care about getting dividends because I don't need income. Yeah. So when I go to value and I'm looking at dividends and I'm looking at maybe stocks that would be a little bit lower on the volatility spectrum, I don't really care because I'm 30. But if mm-hmm. but I don't have to income plan. When you start talking about income planning, the conversation changes dramatically. Yeah. Well, and to talk about the impact of volatility in the markets when you talk about growth and value, because I think, you know, as you look at the balance there um, – you know, in short periods of time, you know, you, you talked about with growth, growth has a longer term perspective where value can be maybe more valuable over a short term time frame, mm-hmm. depending on kind of what markets are doing. So, Right, because that that income piece is so crucial because yep. you know that you're getting, you know, if, if a stock pays two and a half, three percent dividend per year. Um, then you know you're going to get that two and a half or three percent in cash every year, and stocks have a and companies have a really hard time taking that dividend away. It has things have to get really bad for them to reduce or suspend that dividend, um, and so you know that you're going to get that, and that stability will dampen a lot of the share price volatility. Where if you are trying to get that income from a stock position or you're trying to receive that dividend. It doesn't really matter the overall market volatility as long as you're getting your dividend. If mm-hmm. the relative economy is generally stable, um, then you don't have to worry about McDonald's paying two and a half percent. That income will help. It helps peace of mind. You know you're going to get it. You don't have to worry. Oh my gosh, stocks are down thirty percent. I have to sell this. Your the conversation then changes to no. Actually, my income piece is stable, and I can hold on to this for a little bit. And also because I've received two and a half percent over the last twelve months, that that actual total return is a little bit higher than the rest of the market because I've I've received some of that in cash, and my return is just a little bit different. Yeah, and I think so. too. You know, what What we look at for, um, you know, kind of the investment piece of this, it really depends on, you know, like you said, what phase of life you're in because you can look at a investor who's younger, who's consistently contributing into their investments and almost look at that like a value investment with, with it's like adding more gasoline on a bigger fire you know (laughs) like like you you're fundamentally doing what value investing can do which is taking those dividends and if not spent reinvesting and dollar cost averaging the stock price Mm -hmm. you know it's just on a much smaller scale when you're able to and what kind of builds that wealth 
for a lot of people is consistently contributing a big chunk of money into something that has a lot of growth potential, you know, right. like you've said. So it's it's one where, you know, as, as you look at um, kind of the phase of life that you're in, when you're consistently contributing big chunks of money, that's where you can see kind of that growth dynamic really take off, even if you have a lot of volatility in that right. piece where you're buying in at a high point, you're buying in at an 80% loss, and man, when yeah. that thing comes back up, you've made a killing just by <laughs> breaking even. Right. You know, um, in, in value investing, you get that where you're kind of compounding the dividend return. But once you get to a point where you're not trying to throw gasoline on a fire anymore, you're right. just trying to keep from burning the house down. You know, mm-hmm. that value investing can allow you to have, you know, a more consistent stock price than you right. have with growth. Uh, but also a more consistent revenue position, you know, because like mm-hmm. what we've experienced with the rapid movement of the pandemic is a situation where, you know, like the the dividend players, if you went along with that in the way that the way that we're talking about here from the aspect of like as the stock price dropped, you just leave it alone and then you just don't take withdrawals and you just take the dividends out as income, like you mm-hmm. discussed there. Like that allows you to weather the storm. Right. You know, where a growth exactly. company, you know, if, if you're the poor soul who no one ever told you, hey, <laughs> don't pull money out of a lost position, like that growth stock could have a tremendous amount of return. But if you suck the value out at the bottom, you will never see that money again. Exactly. You know, and so it's. You know, it, it really depends on how you interact with that money, whether the growth has the opportunity to be as valuable mm-hmm. as the value position. Right. You know? um, so as we look there, you know, we've talked about maybe where that fits in. Um, you know, how how would you say uh, an investor may, again, depending on the situation, may use both of these things uh, uh, to be kind of a complement to one another? Right. Well. I also want to say value in itself can can be a very strong uh, mm-hmm. performer just because the fundamental thesis of investing in value stocks and high dividend paying stocks is that they are that they are a value relative to the rest of the market. Yeah. And so they can they can provide um, above average returns during certain periods just because you're trying to buy something that's cheap. You're trying to buy stocks that maybe are out of favor. There's a lot of different things that go into that, but value in and of itself can be great. And then if you combine a value position where you um, have, you know, let's say just on a simplified basis, you have more, slightly more in value than you have in growth. What you're going to get is you're going to get some stability from the the dividends, and you're going to get some income, but you're not completely boxing yourself out from all of the all of the growth names because. Like we said, I mean, growth has just been a really strong performer. So maybe you do want to grow your overall your overall uh, investment, but you still want some of that dividend income. So you can have a diversified uh, portfolio with those two within your stock portion of your portfolio, where you do have part of your portfolio that's geared towards just just uh, capital gains and just high growth names and you don't touch it you leave it alone you say this this portfolio i know it could lose 50 percent. i know it could lose 60 70 percent. but i'm not going to touch that because my value stocks are paying me mm-hmm. because they're providing me this consistent income and so that allows you to maybe not miss out on some of that growth potential and that, those growth returns but it just because you do have that peace of mind and that stability from the dividends yeah and i, I think that's that's a part where you know people want to be able to 
understand that just because something has not performed as well lately, like I think sometimes we get too short-sighted mm-hmm. in in what's happened, and we almost, I think the the natural reaction that we have as investors uh, needs to be turned opposite a lot of times right. because you know we look at the market and and we look at these numbers and we're like man the you know S&P growth has just killed the value companies yeah. and so it's like why don't I put all my money in the growth and it's like well really it's expensive you could, it's expensive and you may be buying at the high exactly. of the market you, you know? yeah you want to buy something that's I mean not it, it doesn't always work like this but you tell me values down 50% over the last or you know not down, but it's underperformed by fifty yeah. percent. Then I'm saying, well, heck, that's, that's these are good time. companies. Yeah. These these are good. I'm getting an actual value for my money. Where Amazon, you know, oh, it's a it's twice as expensive as it was three months ago. I don't want to buy that anymore. That's, yeah, because I mean, it's 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 interesting too. Like what what type of indicators drive the different performing mm-hmm. things? Because like you take a year like 2016 where. The first six months of the year, the value companies just destroyed the growth companies. Right. It was like the growth companies were level at best, if not negative, and the value was just totally outperforming. And then it was almost like at that six-month mark, it just completely reversed. <laughs> right. And it was like the value companies went back down. The S&P you know, growth positions, if we're just using those two categories, right. you know, went back up. And it was like if you didn't have exposure in – you know, both of those, then you really, right. or, or maybe you said, you know, hey, the value companies are good. You chase the return and then the market got pulled down. That's where, yeah. you know, when you look at the average investor, a lot of times the emotional decision or chasing the herd or, you know, different ways of things that I think affect investors are going to cause you to have a negative where if you just have enough exposure into different things, just by right. not letting that short-term reaction phase you. Because like I've had several conversations with clients that we've had dividend stocks over the last five years. And I tell them like the time we sell this, that's when it's going to start going up. <laughs> right. It's just like, you're going to hold this for this time where it's not performed and then try to jump into something that's outperformed everything else. And you're going to miss it. You know, exactly. so, so you've got to be a little bit patient regardless of which of these options you look mm-hmm. at. But I think having a little bit of both, you know, would allow you to you know, hopefully hedge some things. And, and Zach, talk about maybe maybe the value of having both of these in a position where you can almost rebalance against each other, you know, and, right. and see, you know, how, how that can help. No, I think that's great because if you had a, you know, if you have a portfolio, like you said, of growth and value that are equal weights, in 2015, growth outperformed value. Mm-hmm. It was up 5%, and then uh, value was actually down 3% during 2015. So if you have a portfolio that's equal weight and you rebalance at the end of the year, you're selling something that just won, and you're buying something that just lost. And yep. so you're like, okay, I just bought uh, something that was down 3% on the year, and I sold something that was up 5% on the year. And then in 2016, exactly what you just talked about, what you've done is you've rebalanced, you're back to equal, and value outperforms and returns 17% versus growth 6.8% that year. Right. And so you're constantly doing that rebalancing act where you're 
buying something that just that just won and you're taking gains and then you're investing that into something that was just just underperformed a little bit yeah and so as you do that you start to what you're doing is just capturing your gains repeatedly and you're locking in it you're locking in a positive return on that yeah and that's great because you know that both of these things are they are highly correlated they are going to move similarly over long-term horizons but if you keep selling the winners then you're going to lock in some gains yeah and that'll be great and then you just invest that into something that just had a little bit of underperformance and especially, too, if you do that in a tax-qualified position, whether it's an IRA or a Roth, like there's really not mm-hmm. a large incentive not to rebalance things, right. you know, from the aspect of, like, you don't have to worry about the tax ramifications each year, uh, regardless of, you know, what positions you mm-hmm. buy and sell. And so that allows you to, you know, like we were talking about, kind of be able to lock in the gains, but also not miss out on the winners because you're chasing something that, you know, exactly. if you... I would say regardless of which way you would take an approach on this, when you use history to try to predict where your next move is in the market, <laughs> you will lose more than you yep. will win. You know, it's just a matter of time, you know, and, and we had a Skittle chart we used to show people that showed, you know, different colors for different um, sectors that won. And if you went by what won the previous year, you maybe were in the middle of the pack the next year, you know, so right. it's... It's one of those where, you know, having a disciplined approach to this and maybe utilizing dividends and growth, you know, depending on which phase of life you're in. Because like you said, when you're younger, growth is better maybe for you, you know, and and the dollar cost averaging that you're doing with your contributions. But maybe in retirement, as long as you give these buckets the right job, I think Mm -hmm. it allows you to have uh, more opportunity, you know, the more diversified you get. So, you know, as far as back and forth goes, you know, I think... This allows us to see kind of the benefits of both of these. You know, the fortunate thing is we have clients that utilize both, you know, and and again, if you can take your income in retirement from something that doesn't reduce your principal, I think that's always a win. Um, So as we look here, you know, getting more information on either of these, you know, talking to your advisor about uh, how you want to kind of approach this in the future, I think is a wise thing. But, you know, until next time, thanks for joining us on the podcast. It's been fun going back and forth with you. Been fun going back and forth with you. Uh, Until next time, uh, we look forward to seeing you then. Investment advisory services offered through Blue Ridge Wealth Planners, a registered investment advisor. Securities offered through Madison Avenue Securities, LLC. Member FINRA, SIPC, MAS, and Blue Ridge Wealth Planners are not affiliated companies.